and welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Where we remember what everyone else has forgotten and where I forget to unmute myself. And when Nick, for some reason, changes the vinyl speed from 33 to 45, halfway through. Okay, well, since you brought it up, I will... Okay, uh, just for the record, our theme music just happens to be whatever record is still sitting on my turntable before we start recording, because I thought that would be funny. Of course, that was David Gilmore's uh, About Face, his 1984 solo record that nobody seems to ever talk about. Oh, well, I was going to ask you it was, and now you say it, of course it makes sense, and I do recognize it. I was going to say, is that Kansas? Or... Uh, no, I do have several Kansas records, but this is not one of them. And sure. the reason why I changed the speed was I wasn't looking at which button I was pushing. Sure, so you were trying to eject it, but you... Uh Press the right. five. Yeah. I don't have my little helper here today. So I had to do one of my cut and runs where I hit the cut button and run back to the couch. Because I learned when uh, when we did when I had MC Lars playing that if I turn the microphones around, it makes a really <sighs> terrible noise. So uh, yeah. yeah, so I hit uh, put it on 45. So that's what David Gilmore would sound like if he were a member of the Chipmunks. Cool. There we go. Uh, so there how are you doing today, Duncan? I am all right, yes. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty busy weekend doing loads of um, pretty good stuff, actually, just catching up with music stuff, um, doing quite a lot of writing and sort of journalism stuff um, and things like that, basically. So, yes, it's all good. The clocks have gone forward, so we have lighter evenings, which is nice. That's always the, the sign that spring is real, summer's on the way. We're in the half of the year where you don't have to wear four layers out the house all the time. Um, British weather is still a bit all over the place, but it's more likely to be nice now. So that's good. Well, it was uh, 80 degrees here yesterday in St. Louis, which is about wow. 25 or 26 Celsius. Yeah, I would say we've we've maybe hit like 11, 12, which which is I you know even for here that's not super warm, but it's it's warm enough. We get to yeah, our summers are probably about where you, what you just said, um, 80 degrees. That's probably what our summers are like most of the time. Our summers are about 42. 42. Yes, uh, we go up to. 115 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is in Celsius, but I know 40 is like 100. And wow, I don't know if it's like this in, in, in the UK, but in Canada, you know, they talk about, they, they go by the heat index. That's their number. That's not the heat index. That's just the temperature. So. Sure. Wow. That is, that is a lot. I know that in the UK, because we have a humid climate, um, anything beyond about 30 starts to feel very oppressive like you, you just sweat all the time whereas when I went to Spain it was you know it was more than that it probably was getting on for 40 but it was fine it didn't seem as bad because it's less humid so they uh, we get to 40 plus with 80 percent plus humidity wow so that is basic wow yeah that's that's too much for me I would not like that it basically feels like an armpit Yes, I can. And then imagine. your armpits feel like everything else, and you get this whole kind of meta same wonderfulness, and it's just terrible. Um, 
it is our usual recording. It's uh, 2 p.m. Central on a Sunday. And here's been my day so far. Uh, I got up, made breakfast, went to the store, played hockey with my daughter, did a vinyl interview with you, which will have well been seen by the time this comes out, and brought home lunch. And I am so tired. <laughs> so if I am lacking a little bit of energy today, I apologize. But uh, my daughter's hockey, spring hockey season starts on Tuesday. So, and with her, with lockdowns and quarantines and all that stuff this year, she has not had her usual amount of exercise. So it's just trying to get, trying to get her ready. And she missed half the season because of COVID. So we're just trying to get, get it all going. I'm also happy to say that my vaccination uh, doesn't really hurt so much anymore. That's good two days of it being really painful i also was really sick for a couple of days as well sure so hopefully you're over the worst of that no that's that's brilliant nick great 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 news yeah it's it's eight o'clock here in the uk and it is only just well it is dark now actually but it's not been dark for very long which is um nice basically so yeah we're all good <sighs> it is it i'm i'm thankful that and I, I know we said try to keep this kind of stuff down to a minimum, but I am really thankful that we are finally getting to the end of this. And I got to, you know, I'm seeing my Facebook memories now where I'm making jokes about, you know, being inside all the time. Because I think at this point in time last year, I had been in my house for seven days straight, which was the first time in a long time I had done that. And yeah. if I knew then what I know now about how far how far it's come and how far it's gone. I probably would have gone crazy at that particular moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just see how it goes. I'm not going to get too optimistic. I think they're talking about things going back to normal potentially 21st of June. Here, I have to say, my personal prediction is that that won't happen, or that if it does happen, it'll be too soon, and we'll have to end up putting restrictions in again. But Let's just see and let's be optimistic. It is definitely a much better situation. The vaccine's rolling out. As long as there are no strains which are resistant to all the vaccines or anything like that, then fingers crossed we are moving to the end of this situation. But anyway, I think we should move to the end of talking about it because that's what everyone talks about it too much. And we're here to talk about records. Agreed. And what are we talking about today? Okay, so we have a special guest um, Craig from Drift Into Black, and he has chosen um, today's selection, which is Probots, um, an album by, well, it's Dave, it's just billed as Probot. That's the band's name and that's the album name, but it's Dave Grohl um, from uh, the Foo Fighters. Um, but he's not doing his normal Foo Fighters thing. He is, and of course he's from Nirvana as well, by the way, whoever they are, if you've heard of those guys. Um, so yeah, basically he's, um, done, a, he did a metal album in 2000 and oh dear three, or was it four, three or four? Um, I'm going to check, check, there you go. 2004 recorded 2000 to 2003 released in 2004. And basically he just wanted to do some heavier music, like the music that influenced him, the metal and the hardcore punk that influenced him growing up in the eighties, largely, um, and he basically um, wrote a load of music in that sort of style and then asked um, singers 
from those classic bands of those genres to guest and not just singers actually there's some other musicians on there as well but largely singers so every song has a different guest singer and yeah that's that's probably all i need to say about that well apart from to say that this was quite a big deal at the time. I remember it coming out to a lot of fanfare, but I never listened to it. And I would say this qualifies as a largely forgotten record because I guess they didn't tour it. It wasn't something you could really tour because it was loads of famous guest singers. They weren't all going to go on tour and just sing one song. So once it was released, that was kind of it. And all those guys have just gone off and done their own thing and carried on. So this has kind of been forgotten now, I think, um, because it's not an ongoing project. Um, but we've unearthed it. We've dug it up. And um, I'm going to stop talking now. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I had never heard of this before Craig suggested it. And as I was listening to it this morning, I didn't do you know my standard Wikipedia research on it until at later on in the day. What really surprised me about this is that Dave Grohl played the guitar, the leads, the bass, and the drums on the vast, vast majority of this record. It, so it was exactly like the, the first Foo Fighters record. The first, the first Foo Fighters album, he did everything except one guitar solo. There you go. I've forgotten that. Actually, now you say it, and I did know that, but I've forgotten it. Yeah, totally. I mean, we'll talk more with Craig in a minute, but yeah, this wasn't originally going to be um, really. This was kind of him. He was basically messing around, doing almost like I guess you might call it a vanity project. He he worked with a sound engineer, and they just chilled out, and he wrote some cool riffs. Then they recorded them, and then at some point later, he decided, "Hang on, um, I'm going to get these guests. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask some guests." Um, to do this and um, I think he was it says he was inspired by um, the uh, Santana album Supernatural where where they did the same thing where the, the, there were lots of guest singers different a different guest singer on every track um, and also there's a little interesting piece of trivia and then I, I will stop because I know we're going to talk with Craig about this and we don't want to repeat ourselves but um, two of the songs on here I can't remember which two right now, but two of the songs on here were originally meant for Ozzy Osbourne. Um, Dave Grohl was contacted to write um, some tracks for the upcoming Ozzy Osbourne album at the time, which was Down to Earth, I think it's called. Um, and that, that's how they certainly did work then for Ozzy albums. They got guest writers to, to write the main, uh, the, at least the backing tracks. And I think Ozzy probably did the... Uh, vocal melodies and someone else did the lyrics um yeah and anyway so he submitted these two tracks to Ozzy because uh, he was asked to but the label just never got back to him so he then decided actually I'm going to repurpose these so there you go well our uh Craig is ready to come so I'm going to bring him in right now and we are now joined by Craig Rossi of Drift Into Black how are you doing today Craig I'm doing great it's a very relaxing Sunday. Just been writing music all day, so cool. your Sunday yeah. might have been different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but I've been writing about music all day, which which you'll do, you know, you know. I have been playing hockey and making dinner, so all good, nice. My my daughter's spring hockey season starts up on Tuesday, so got to get her back in shape. Yeah, what did you make for dinner? Uh, I put a pot roast into the crock pot this morning. Nice slow slow cook. Yes, very slow. Nice. I was hoping you made dinner while playing hockey, and I think that that should be. Uh, 
<laughs> if I could do that, that would be an amazing feat. But uh, uh, let's talk. Let's talk about Craig for a little bit instead of myself. Everybody hears enough about me. Uh, so, Craig, tell us about what uh, what uh, Drift into Black has coming up. Um, well, the uh, album album Patterns of Light is uh, it's coming out May twenty eighth. Originally, it was slated for April twenty third, but there was a issue a delay with the uh, European, uh, I guess because of COVID. And so there's a delay pressing the vinyl. So I believe we're going to have the vinyl in hand on like April 19th. And we're going to push the release date back to May 28th, which is fine. You know, um, just as long as we, we get it out there. But, uh, um, you know, it took me about nine months to record the album, um, putting it all together myself and, you know, and- uh, Wait a having, minute, you, you did the entire album and the album you picked was somebody doing an entire album. I'm detecting a theme. Wait, what? I'm sorry. I, you're, you recorded an album by yourself. Yes. And you picked us an album to talk about that is somebody who recorded an album by himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm detecting a theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of, you know, like the one man show, you know, I, I have a session drummer and a session bassist and, you know, um, uh, from my old band, Rick from Grace Guys Fallen, he, uh, you know, he lent a couple of guitar solos here and there, but for the most part, all lyrics, uh, vocals, keyboards, and 98% of guitars are, are me, you know. So. Very cool, man. Very That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's great to be able to have that ownership, isn't it? I think, I, you know, I work like that myself sometimes, and I think it's mm. really good when you can just do it exactly how you want it from start to finish, you know? I love it, man. Creative freedom. You don't have five egos, you know, fighting over, you know, volume and (laughs) (laughs) tempo and stuff like that. You know, that thing where you come up, you you bring a perfectly good song to the band and then people are like, yeah, I like it. But, you know, can we change this bit? Yeah. That bit, you know, not that I don't like collaborating, by the way, but I totally, yeah, get where you're coming from as Mm -hmm. a solo artist myself. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's a big part of why I never tried to get on with any other, you know, major publications because I like doing things my way. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, man. Let's let's move on to this album. So, Craig, why did you pick this one? Probot? (laughs) Um, I I think it was kind of like swept under the rug. I I had never heard of it. Yo, let me tell you something. I was, when it came out, I was like, what? Dave Grohl working with Kronos uh, from Venom, uh, uh, Wino from St. Vitus and The Obsessed and Lee Dorian from Cathedral. I'm like, what the fuck? But then, I, you know, I, I look back and, uh, can I curse him though? I don't know if I can curse him. Uh, We try to keep it to a minimum. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so anyway, so then I look back at, and then I was reading on, on how um, uh, Dave Grohl was always trying to convince his band members to have to uh, have metal bands open up for, you know, Foo Fighters and Nirvana. Like, I think that he was trying to convince Nirvana during a uh, uh, utero tour or something like that to have Napalm Death open up. Uh, you know? So he's always been like. I guess he's always been like this metal guy and like, you know, and, and this album was kind of like him unleashing that, that uh, metal in him. And, and it took me by surprise. And I was like, this is 
different. It's cool. I like the album cover. It's got like that 90s, that 50s uh, sci-fi look, you know. Um, and each song is tailored to to uh, to each uh, featured member, you know, which is great. Yeah, it, it was a march of heavy metal subgenres, mm. which and it all and this is later, you know, for the sum up, but it all worked really well together. And normally I don't want to listen to an album that has several different singers. That's just, I, I don't know. Hmm. I just don't dig that. But for this one, it worked really well. It did. It did. I, you know you know why? Because it wasn't like the same, the same uh, mood for every song. Every mood was different. Like I said, tailored for each singer. You know, there was like kind of like a doom element when uh, uh, in, um, in, uh, well, what's that? Uh, in uh, the Emerald Law with uh with uh, wino. wino with wino yeah and uh and then there was that that metal element in uh sweet dreams with king diamond and and uh and i gotta tell you i'm i'm kind of a weirdo i think my favorite song off the album is ice cold man with uh lee doring uh cathedral that song melodically oh my god it's so catchy like every time i hear that song it sticks sticks with me you know, that's one song that sticks out of the entire album for me. Yeah. Hearing that Dave, that Dave Grohl was into metal makes sense when you think about, or when I think about it, I should say, excuse me, when I think about his, his drumming style, his drumming was a little reminiscent in, in terms of cadence and power like Lars Ulrich was back in the day. Yeah. That really big, always moving kind of drum sound. Yeah, he's got like a really like tremendous floor tom it's like thunderous boom you know so yeah he he likes he likes hitting hard and personally my favorite food fighters album was always his very first one which was the one he did by himself and it was the one the only one where he played the drums all the way through oh yeah 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 man yeah i mean i think um what is we'll come on to this again in, in a little bit in the sum up but even though the moods are different uh, for this album, it, it ties together really nicely. I don't think anything feels out of place. It doesn't jump around too much. And I guess that's maybe because it's all Dave Grohl who wrote the riffs, played the drums, played most of the instruments. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but it's, it's, it's interesting because I was saying to Nick earlier, I do remember it coming out and I remember it feeling mm-hmm. like kind of a big deal at the time. But then it's... I think it has largely been forgotten and, and I guess it's it's just not a project you can really carry on or that you can tour with unless you decide to just settle on like one singer and do the songs with one singer or something which wouldn't how would you do that on this exactly it, it wouldn't work so so obviously they just kind of that was it it was one album and then and then nothing so because that name hasn't carried on and they don't release stuff now they haven't released anything else since then it's sort of just been forgotten and it's not like it's even got Dave Grohl's name on it who's a big name yeah. Just like fell, yeah, it fell by the wayside. I'm like, let me say, this is you know we whenever we have a guest on, we, we usually request them to pick the album. This is the best pick so far. <laughs> yeah, it's a very very cool pick. It's it's very cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but yeah, as I understand it, and Craig, you might know more about this than me, but um, basically, Dave Grohl at first worked. Um, with a sound engineer whose name I've completely here we go Adam Casper um and basically um they just like sat around watching tv 
and Dave Grohl would kind of be messing about on the guitar. And when yeah. he came up with a riff that seemed cool, he said, right, come on, um, Adam Casper, let's go down to the, he has a home studio. Let's go mm -hmm. down to the home studio and let's just uh, record this one. And it was just meant as, as a kind of, I don't know what it was meant for, he wasn't going to release it. Um, but after a few days, they'd done a few tracks, they'd done about seven tracks. And then they, and then Grohl decided after that, hang on, why don't I ask yeah. some, some of these famous singers to come on it? Oh yeah. And you know, another thing, uh, just to add on to how this album just like disappeared. I, you know what, Dave Grohl fans, I don't think know who Wino is. I don't think they know who uh, Lee Dorian is. I don't think a lot of them are into like that doom or like that kind of sludge um, genre or anything like that. And I think when this came out, his fans were expecting Dave Grohl type stuff. And it just, you know, uh, I don't know if they were disappointed, but that could have been Probably. another reason why. Yeah, that could have been another reason why it, it just it just uh, didn't really, really uh, get as much attention as it should have, you know? I mean, that's a really good point. I, I think that I'm sure that that is, that that is right. Um, and I have to say, look, I, I will, I'm going to say I'm not a big Foo Fighters fan. I, the bits I've heard of that first album, I do like. The stuff they've done since then, meh, I, you know, it's not for me, really. He does seem like a pretty cool guy um, for the most part, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a really good point. This is totally yeah. different um, influences it's, it's a whole different scene from the one that dave Grohl's part of um yeah for me, it's a, a cooler scene you know but for a lot of dave Grohl fans that like the food fighters they're probably like whoa what's this noisy nonsense and <laughs> there's a part of me that wishes this had come out instead of the first food fighters album could you imagine had this come out in 1995 when the grunge versus metal fuse oh. Yeah, still at its highest. Although, had that happened, Kim Thale probably would not have been on it. <laughs> I I think if it came out today, it would explode. I think so. Of, yeah, I think so too. Because of the people that he has on here are now. I mean, at the time, they were all virtually unknown. Yeah. And now you look back at these guys, and they're all venerated heroes. Mm -hmm. They've all like been on. VH1 classic at some point, but at the oh, time, oh yeah, I mean, I mean but I besides King Diamond, besides King Diamond or Lemmy, everyone else is well, and Jack Black is on a hidden track. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hated that song by the way. Oh, I like. <laughs> sorry, we'll get to that in the track by track. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. jumping guns. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, no, that that's it. It's uh, most of these guys were not really massive massive big names some of the bands were sort of medium-sized but no largely not really but um yeah and, and this was a weird time i guess this was the height of new metal really 2003 mm. yeah. um so these guys were the old guard really this is um yeah this is dave Grohl looking back to not work mm. not working with you know um the guys from slipknot or corn or whoever but looking back <laughs> way back to the 80s and maybe early 90s yeah this is you're uh, absolutely right this is when slipknot is huge yeah is, they're at their zenith and system of a down is crushing it exactly and and, and who does he bring out he yeah. brings up a singer from dirty rotten imbeciles <laughs> which let me say two weeks ago when i got my stimulus check uh yeah. i actually picked up a copy of four of a kind on vinyl finally oh wow yeah nice 
Yeah, and I guess there's the whole hardcore punk thing as well. A lot of these guys are from kind of crossover thrash bands, uh -huh. punk bands, and um, I don't really know, but I get the impression that that wasn't as big a thing as it is now. Now a lot, a lot of bands are doing the whole harking back to hardcore and post-hardcore and stuff. Um, and then there's a lot of those kind of fast, I don't know, municipal waste, things like that, that do that fast thrashy crossover thing. I don't know, in 2003, was that a really big thing? No. Maybe. No, 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 no. But what's amazing is, you know, we talk about a lot of, a, a lot of the albums we look at, we, you know, we, we're looking at, we have to look at them through the lens of today because that's the lens we have. Yeah. And how many of these records have we listened to, Duncan, that we look back on and they sound so dated. They, they came out at the wrong time. This album to me sounded timeless from, from top to bottom. Yeah. Totally. This is an album that could basically have been released yesterday and would still sound... Right. It could have been released yesterday. It could have been released 30 years ago. It could have been released 25 years ago and it would still sound as fresh and as, as timeless as it does. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a resurgence of, of like doom now. Like Oh, completely. I, I mean, you know, so now yeah. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. No, totally. Should I mean, we get well, hang on, hang on. Doom metal is even now getting doom metal subgenres. Yeah. I was just talking about that the other day. And Cause I was, I, I posted something on Facebook saying, do, do Southern doom metalers, are they into Gothic doom metal and vice versa? Or, or is seventies like psychedelic doom metal, are they into Southern doom metal or are they not into goth doom? Like, how does that work? <laughs> I mean, I or are there, there people that are just into every subgenre of doom i don't know like it's, uh, it's just like a weird plateau for me <laughs> like my, my favorite uh, doom metal subgenre is still nautical doom metal nautical doom metal now, explain <laughs> explain you just like, i never heard of that <laughs> okay uh well i've never heard of you know southern doom metal so we're, we're even i'm gonna ask you to okay. do the same All when right. i'm done uh, nautical doom metal. Uh, the only band I know of that fits that description would be uh, Ahab, who I believe are out of Germany. Uh, I picked up okay. I their last their their last record that I'm aware of, which was called "The Boats of the Glen Carrig," and it's uh, it it feels like doom metal sea shanties. But what <clears> it is is it is a it's a concept record based off of a novella that nobody ever read. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's it amazing. Sounds like it could work, actually. Completely yeah. work. I read the book and I was terrified. Right. So it you would you say it's like a blackened doom or like a like it is a little blackened, yeah. Okay. But it's also got a lot of beautiful clean singing as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it when when they chose the term nautical doom metal, I gotta tell you, it really fits. Cool. I'm gonna southern to doom metal. I don't know this one. I, I guess Southern would be kind of like sludge metal, like Paul Bearer. Um, you mean like uh, Acid, um, Acid Bass and, um, God, who's that other band? Uh, Royal Thunder? I never heard of Royal Thunder. They sound familiar, but I never, I don't think I've Royal Thunder, the, the, it's a husband and wife team and a couple other dudes. The, the husband, I believe, was into like serious death metal. And really? he, decided, he decided he wanted to pull it back and check out Royal Thunder. They're pretty damn good. Oh, I'm going to check them out. But like, I, I guess uh, uh, Southern Southern Doom is more like kind of like a groove Doom, you know, type type uh, uh, 
you know, riffs and stuff like that. You know, it's amazing how Sabbath just keeps on getting. But with, uh, with heavy, big sludge riffs as well, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think Riff, Riff Lord is one of the bands or something like that. And, oh, you know, Riff Lord's like, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check this out, though. In the last two minutes, we have whipped out, like, about six different doom metal subgenres. Southern doom, gothic doom. How about Monolord? You like Monolord? I know I've heard them, but I can't place it. I'm sorry. I've list- I have done a thousand record reviews in the past 10 years. Do, do yourself a favor. When we're done, go listen to Monolord. Listen to the song Rust. You'll be blown away. I'm going to look at I'm, I'm just going to pull up my MP3s real quick. I'm, yeah. I'm going to see if that's in there. Because that's, that's like a sludge doom, but like oh, the riffs are just thunderous, like devastating. Sounds really, really big sound. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think that's a cool thing about this record is that it does that. Um, there's a couple of tracks where we get into the whole Doom thing and it does it absolutely great. But mm-hmm. it also does the whole hardcore punk crossover thing absolutely great. And so many different subgenres of metal, but it all fits together and it all sounds like it, it is part of the same album. I think uh, that, real quick, I, I wanted to make this point earlier and I forgot. Thank you for reminding me. I think a big part of why it all fits together is because Dave Grohl didn't really change his tone throughout the record. Good no. point. Good point. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, far, he didn't uh, steer too far from what he was doing, the sound. I mean, there's a lot of punk on, on that on that album. There's oh. a lot of punk on it. Yeah. Usually when you do a set it and forget it kind of tone, I get really bored. But Dave Grohl, and, and I, one thing I wanted to also bring up about Dave Grohl that I think a lot of people don't know is that when he first joined Nirvana, I don't know for sure that they intended on him even playing drums, but playing guitar. He talked about how he hung out with Kurt for weeks just playing guitar in Washington once he moved there from D.C., Mm. There's an alternate world where Dave Grohl was a guitar hero in the '90s. Yeah, I, I think I think he he was. I think he was being he was tortured like for a long time being in Nirvana, and I think Foo Fighters too. I think I think there's more. I, I think he really wanted to play more metal than than what Nirvana and Foo Fighters could have offered. And I think, he, I think creatively, I think he felt like he was kind of anchored. I think, you know. I would agree with that. Did you, have you noticed though that the Foo Fighters have gotten mellower and mellower after every album? Yeah, yeah. That first album that he did all of it, it was pretty heavy. It was pretty rocking. And mm-hmm. frankly, I have failed in not buying a vinyl copy of that. I actually, I saw the Foo Fighters on their first tour before that record even came out with Mike Watt. Wow. That's and pretty then, cool. And then I've, I've honestly not liked anything they've done since then. You know, it's funny because I had a, I, I used to work for Guggenheim Partners. I used to do IT for Guggenheim and we had a Christmas party. And when they do Christmas parties, they really spend money, you know? So, uh, um, we were at, uh, uh, Sopranis, this big venue in New York City. Um, and the musical guest that they had was the guitarist of the Eagles. I forgot his name. What's his name? Glenn Fry. Uh, no, the other one. Joe Walsh. Yes, Joe Walsh played right at the end of the set. Dave Grohl came out and got on the drums and played on the last song. I forgot so- what song it was. I'm like, 
And I was blown away. I, I was like, this is a company Christmas party. How did they get Dave Grohl, Joe Walsh? I'm like, this is like, what, what is this, VH1? <laughs> like, you know? I can't imagine you know? working for a company that has that much money and, oh. and being invited to the party. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, can, was, I, can, I can imagine working for a company and being invited to a party. And I can imagine working for a giant company, mm-hmm. but not working for a company that has that party and going to that party. I, it was crazy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, wow, the money they must have spent that. Joel Walsh and Dave Grohl. That's <laughs> pretty great. cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I man. think we are now wandering off topic, so I think we are ready. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, no, we all are. Don't worry, Craig. <laughs> we, we, we've, we, excuse me, we waver. It happens. But yeah. I think we are ready to get into the track by track. But before we yeah, do that, sure. let's play your single, The Burial Gun. Anything we need to know about this track before we hear it? Um, <clears throat> I think I, what I was going for with that song, well, first off, the song, lyrically, is like kind of like the midpoint of the story of the album. So I wanted to release that as the first single, kind of like how like George Lucas released A New Hope. Like it's like the middle uh, part of the whole Star Wars story, so not you to already this have to all of my attention. <laughs> not to compare this to Star Wars because it, that story is totally. I'm staring different. at a Star Wars box. I mean, trust me, <laughs> I have Kylo like, Ren hanging on my my. Oh, yeah. but like I wanted, I wanted um, ly- lyrically to introduce the album at a midway point um, where you're listening to it and you're reading the lyrics and you're wondering, okay, what happened before to get us here? And then what happens after, you know? So, um, and I wanted this, the, the track to, to embody every sound of the album, you know, both clean, both uh, 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 screams, uh, uh, clean vocals, screams, um, you know, heavy guitars, uh, a breakdown, and then, you know, just every type of sound from the album in that one track. So, um, yeah, that's a burial gown. <laughs> awesome. Well, here we go. Uh, cool. In the Black, burial gown. All right.
And we are back. So we are now going to go track by track. Craig, as the guests always do, take us out. Oh, real quick. I listen to this on YouTube and I don't know the names. Okay. Uh, I've got. Uh, Centuries of Sin, track one. What do you make of that one? It's, oh, the Venom vibe, that drone keyboard when it comes in. Fast, brutal. And, and, uh, and Kronos, his vocals. My God. Crazy. Great That song. track, yeah. And, and, and it's funny because that track would fit. That track would fit on, on, uh, on their first album, I believe. That I, track I, would go perfectly on, the, on, on Venom's first album. For me, that song, I mean, it, it was that track announced this record's presence with authority, if you don't mind the Bull Durham reference. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. It's great metal. And it, it, this is great metal out of somebody that we wouldn't expect it from. It's got a great double bass thunder and towards the end. The bass is amazing. Uh, the bass guitar on this whole record is great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. The drums are amazing. I mean, as you'd expect, I mean, Dave Grohl is not only a brilliant drummer, but it, it feels like he got better. Like in Nirvana, he never did stuff that was quite as cool as this, I don't think. Um, Nirvana so, There's no spot in Nirvana for this, but... but... Yeah, maybe so. But yeah, but it just feels like, um, A, he got heavier as a drummer and B, he just got better. But yeah, some cool riffs, fast, thrashy metal, kind of hardcore punk-esque, very heavy, which sets the scene for this album. The whole album is really heavy, 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 um, but still enough dynamics. It doesn't get boring and kind of like some relentless music can get boring, but this, this doesn't. It's, it's great. So and yeah, great track, great intro, very, very cool. And I think, I think that track was the single released right i believe for the album think about that dave Grohl releases a single with cronus singing <laughs> i know you would think in, Lemmy in 2003 <laughs> i know <laughs> that's balls completely completely balls yeah uh, I mean, it, yeah it's cool man it's cool so yeah really really sets the scene um well uh, oh, Craig, when you when you announce the track names, tell us who sings it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Red War, track two. That double bass pedal when it when it comes in and then guitar. Like that was that for a track two, that was perfectly, perfectly placed. Um and the chorus, Red War, that like that was um and and that's what uh, uh Max uh Cavalera, oh, yeah. uh, Max Cavalera, and Soulfly. So that's like his vocals, you know, those hardcore, like you know, uh, uh, choruses, you know, that 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 chant, you know, like when he screams "Red War," like that was total, like, like, like we would, like as we spoke earlier, he totally tailored these songs specifically for for each member, like for each uh, guest. You know, and that's just another one that, you know, totally sounds like Salvatore, you know? And yeah, man. Another great song, well made to the, I mean, well, I mean, what can you say about Max Cavalera that hasn't already been said? Oh, yeah. 
Except for Soulfly. I hate Soulfly. But that's besides the point. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing what metal came out of Dave Grohl. And I mean, yeah. I know it, it's easy to say for any musician because, you know, it, there, there becomes times in and out where it becomes, you know, oh, yeah, I like metal. And it becomes, you know, fashionable to say so. Well, he says, oh, I like it. Here it is. Yeah, it does. No, it's great. It's got it's really cool, groovy death metal riffs. Absolutely yeah. ferocious. Again, super heavy. And and apparently Soulfly used to play this live up until about two thousand and nine. So there you go. They obviously liked it. Nice. Yeah. Good detective work done. I didn't even know that. Really. Red yeah. Wall? Apparently so. Apparently so. But, so yeah, we're we're, we're going on great so far. Yeah. All right, now the next track, Shake Your Blood, uh, featuring Lemmy from Motorhead. I, you know what? I like the song, I really do. And I think, I really think that, that I think Dave Grohl needed to be careful with this song. I think he, re I don't think he really wanted to waste Lemmy's time and, and be like, okay, I want you on a track that definitely does not sound like Motorhead. This track is total Motorhead. It completely is Motorhead. That riff, dun, 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 like that riff is like, whoa. I didn't, you know? I didn't look into who was singing on what while I was listening. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in my note here. Let me just read you my notes as they are. Mm -hmm. You know, a Motorhead gallop. Oh, look, it's Lemmy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, he, he also plays the bass on this one, um, As which should. makes sense, exactly that. And yeah, I've written, it pretty much sounds like Motorhead. Yeah, it's a good song. It's got a catchy chorus. Um, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. It sounds like Motorhead, but way better. Oh, yeah. I, I, like said I said it, I said it. I like Motorhead, I like Motorhead. I, I, mean, I, was I, like Motorhead. I don't love either. them, I love this song. Yeah, Fine. I know, I was never a big Motorhead fan, but I do like that song. Sure. Well, there we go then. It's more Motorhead than Motorhead, or it's better than Motorhead at being Motorhead. Yeah. Well, that's because, like that. you know, Motorhead's guitar player was, uh, well, I mean, of the 1800, none of them are as good as Dave Grohl. They didn't, Mickey yeah. D was not a good drummer as Dave Grohl. Mm -hmm. Let's just call thing what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, look, yeah, fine, fine. Let's I won't move on. Fight Let's anybody over on. this, especially Motorhead fans, because I've seen them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, but look, it's great. It's it's great. It's just classic Lemmy. It's a brilliant song. Yeah. Track four. Now this one we kind of get into more of like the punk. Um, yeah. Um, we, we get into more uh, more of a punk uh, region with uh, Access Babylon uh, with Mike Dean of Corrosion Conformity. Yes. I've told this story and before, and I'll tell it again. One minute, twenty-four. Was the first major band I ever saw. Wow. Are, are, are you guys a, a, a corrosion conformity fans, or I do I, like? I, I've got like I've got Wise Blood, and it's great. Um, but I I don't know all of their stuff. Um, I've heard a few of their records. I know they changed from a more hardcore thing to a more kind of um heavy rock thing later on. Yeah, I like them. I'm not I'm not an aficionado, but yeah, Wise Blood's great. Not not a huge fan, but I mean, they they were the opening opening act at the first show I ever went to, yeah. and I have a lot of nostalgia for them. I saw them open for Metallica. I've got a few of their albums. I, I a couple of songs I like from Corrosion. White Noise, is a good song. I like that song. A couple like really really early early tracks, you know. 
Um, but yeah, um, I like this track. I really do. Shake your blood. I mean, uh, Axis Babylon. Um, and uh, and you know, you that's what you're gonna get from my my Dean from Kurt performing. You know, that total punk onslaught. When I when I listened to this one, I took it as more speed metal. Uh, there's crossover thrash soon enough, but it, it's you know my notes were speed metal. This album literally has everything. Yeah, it yeah. does, and, I, and that's what it does. The rest of it, no, I had no it's, idea. It's also there's a guy called Bubba Dupree from a band called Void who plays guitar on this. I, I don't know loads about them, but I'm, I presume they're hardcore bands. So Frankly, the, the name Bubba Dupree is my favorite name ever. Now there you go. So yeah, I presume it's Dave Grohl as well, but maybe not. We don't know. We don't know. But yeah, definitely Bubba Dupree of Void on guitar. So yeah, man, great song. But yeah, one minute twenty four, super quick, super fast, super short. Um, yeah, man. Well, it stays punk from um, from here on in for a, for a little bit. What what what? Do yeah. We have next? Right. Uh, Silent Spring. It's another you know punk song with uh, Kurt Bretsch from uh, DRI, and um, I'm really not that familiar with DRI or or uh, you know Kurt. I'm but, not. Um, I did like that the, the song. Like I said, I love all, all the tracks on this album, and um, I did like that song. I did like that. I really, really do like the chorus of it as well. Here, here. Um, Let me read you my notes on this one. Yeah. Crossover Thrash, what, WTF. Is that the singer from DRI? There you go. You were correct. Uh, who? Yeah. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of DRI. I got a couple of their albums, but Four of a Kind mm -hmm. uh, was a big album for me when I was in high school. And yeah. Love that record, and I've been listening to it a lot lately because I just, as I mentioned earlier, I just recently got it again. And when I heard him, I knew that was him. I mean, I know that voice, and I was just like, "Wow!" Now, so at this point in time, you know, we've already done just, you know, black ish new first wave of black metal. Mm -hmm. Then we did, you know, groove metal. Then we did Motorhead. Then we did. Then we did hardcore punk, and now we're into crossover thrash. Yeah. We're four songs in, yeah, yeah, yeah. four crazy different subgenres. Yeah, well, Sound Springs got a kind of a punk edge too, like a punk thrash. Well, yeah, edge, it, that's what know? DRI is—they're punk thrash. Yeah, but the yeah. whole album sounds like it's an album that belongs together. Totally. Yeah, totally. definitely. Totally. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's a great thing about it. It's like. It doesn't steer too far away from what Dave Grohl was trying to do. Um, the next track is my favorite. I, this track is just every every part of this track. The verse chorus is just so catchy. Ice Cold Man with uh, Lee Dorian of Cathedral and Napalm Death and Kim uh, um, uh, Fail. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dave from Soundgarden. This this track is my ultimate favorite. Like there's just like the chorus, the melody all the way through is just like, wow. Um, total doom, you know, uh, kind of like a melodic doom, uh, a little sludgy, like how Cathedral is, um, yeah. but very fitting for, for Lee, you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, to me, it just, it, to be honest, it does sound a bit like just a great Cathedral song. Um, I like those harmonies at the start. You get this really amazing big doom riff. 
then it brings this slightly, I guess, melodic death doom, my dying bride kind of harmony sort of thing, yeah. in, which is really yeah. cool. And it's classically Dorian where he half sings and half growls. And to me, that's when he's at his best, when he's kind mm -hmm. of in between. Um, and yeah, really emotive singer. He really gets into it. I, I mean, I've seen him live a few times and he, he really kind of embodies the character of what he's oh, yeah. singing. Um, yeah, and then it kind of, it trips up to double time in the, in the middle eight and goes into this bluesy kind of death metal bit. And then goes, it's crazy, yeah. But it's, yeah, totally great song. Catchy, really very strong song. Mm -hmm. um, totally catchy, memorable. Like, like the best bits of Cathedral, really. I think so you too. Guys know, you guys know way more about Cathedral than I do. So all I'm going to say is it was a great Doom track. Oh, I mean, I and I'm, I, I favor more of the, like the dark Gothic Doom um of of the doom you know of all doom genres and and so this this song really spoke to me the most out of every song on on this album yeah man yeah great track um so and again i guess i guess, i'm just actually realizing the way they sequence the tracks is maybe this is why we're saying oh, it all ties together and i think they were clever in the sequencing because you go from mm -hmm. like a punk track to a thrashy punk track to more of a metal track and it the same is true here. So we go from like a full on doom track to, well, you can tell us what we've got next and who sings it. Yep. The Emerald Law featuring Wino from St. Vitus and the Obsessed. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, The Obsessed. They I had am. an album called oh, The Church Within. I'm not extraordinarily familiar. I got a couple of their albums that I've reviewed. Saw them at a couple of shows. Great. I mean, great classic. Mm. Oh yeah, um, Church Within is my favorite uh, uh, Obsessed album, and this track would fit. You guys should listen to that album. This track would fit. It was like it was removed from the album. It would fit perfectly on that album. Um, this, this this song was just absolutely perfect. Yeah, there's, and there's uh, nothing more that needs to be said other than listen to it. And Wino, you know, Wino's a beast. It, like just his guitar work and his vocals. And his vocals are just so they stand out. You know, you know it's Wino when oh, he, he opens up his mouth. You know? He's got the, the um, amazing ability to do the Ozzy style vocals without yeah. sounding like Ozzy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know what though? I'm, so I'm gonna say say that. I'm I'm gonna go against the crowds here, and I'm gonna say. I liked this song, but I didn't feel like it was Wino quite at his best. I, I just, he's singing great, don't get me wrong. The actual singing is brilliant. Um, but I didn't think it was that memorable. I don't know, maybe I just need to listen to it more, but I, I kind of felt like it wasn't one of the best. Yeah, but um, think songs. about this for a minute. We were at what, track seven? And that oh was, yeah, sure. No, don't get me wrong. This is track not- Track seven, on this is the first the thing album. anybody can say against anything that's happened. And not for nothing. Not even again, it's just it, not maybe quite as strong as that. Like that previous one was so strong. And then there's this one, and it's like, okay, this is fine. But it's I will fight you, Duncan. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and then you're right. You're right. Put things into, into perspective. It, you just heard Ice Cold Men, and then you go into this, which is more of like a, you know, like a old school groove doom. You know, so yeah. it's it's not as bright as the previous track, yeah. but uh. It's, I, it's, 
it's I classic nine word against this track. This track is amazing. Sure, listen, I don't want to. I don't want to um, scupper your guys' excitement over this track at all. I did so like define scupper. <laughs> scupper just means um, get in the way of, mess up. You know. Okay, there we go. You've scuppered my plans, <laughs> Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yeah. Duncan is English, if you didn't know. <laughs> a large part of this podcast is me asking him what the hell he just said. This is also the second time we've somehow talked about Inspector Gadget on the podcast. So the other know. time with the the other time Rainbow played Inspector Gadget, you can't blame. <laughs> yeah, that's Richie Blackmore's fault. Um, exactly. Anyway, we digress very uh, far from reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're falling off the so, map here. We're falling yeah. off the map here. <laughs> so. <laughs> So the next track, which is what track eight, uh, yeah. eight track eight, right, is Big Sky featuring Tom G. Warrior, and uh, 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 you know what? Um, I I I didn't think this was as good as um, as uh, you know you know I because I, I kind of put Celtic Frost and Venom in like the same um, realm because they're kind of like the same type of kind of metal. Um, I, I, this song really didn't call to me too much, and um, it was definitely it was I I believe it was definitely uh, Celtic Frost uh, sounding, but I don't know. I, I just maybe it was the chorus or something. I, I don't want to be contrarian, so I won't be. Yeah, uh, it, it's speedy. It's got a great solo. That that's really all there is to this. And you know, yeah. I'm gonna blast him a little bit right now. Venom and Celtic Frost, I don't need them. <laughs> I mean, look, the thing is, for me, I think what's strange about the, I, I, li I like some of the demonic vocals, actually. But for me, this one feels a bit weird. It goes a bit grungy. It's a bit Alice in Chainsy. And I'm kind of thinking, what this, why is, why is this happening on this track, at least? It That's what I didn't hard. like about it. The, the grungy yeah. feel to it. I just, you know, it, it I don't know. That's just something. Yeah. Yeah, but like I mean, G Warrior doing grunge—that doesn't really work, does it? No. So, but, yeah. but here we are. We're—I we're, mean, we're midway through the second side before we can all agree that a song isn't spectacular. Yeah. No. And yeah. to be fair, it's still got some great riffs in it, like the intro with that distorted bass. Dun dun. I can still remember that, and then it kind of kicks in with the guitar riff going bow bow, and it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. so don't get me wrong; it's not terrible, but I, I don't think it quite. It's the, a bit stylistically confused. With this album is the highs are so high yeah that if you don't get there you look like crap it, that song looks like crap and that's that's what happened to this one i bet if i had heard this in an album where it you know it belonged rather than this hodgepodge it probably yeah. sounded much better yeah but again i'm looking at the what's coming next and again i'm seeing how this is really cleverly sequenced these tracks mm -hmm. Bit of a slight grunge thing going on in track eight and then track nine i think we really carry that on but um you can tell us about that craig yeah dictatosaurus which features snake from voivod i really like this track it's got totally got the voivod vibe going and the chorus is beautiful there's something yeah. about how, how that chorus is sung and is beautiful yeah, there's some great vocal harmonies and stuff and some yes. really melodic, like heavy riffs, but melodic. And yeah, for me, it's a bit, it's, it's like old, old metal, a bit grungish, but it, but it's cool. it works this time. It's very Agreed. cool. Agreed. Um, what I had written down was it's post-grunge sludge metal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, you hit it right on, on, the, on the head. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's straddling, it's, it's on the river. It's, it's got both legs on each bank. And 
Yeah. That, that's an awesome feeling. And it's, it's if it's got post metal song. in it, then it kind of waters down the grunge a bit. And, and I'm okay with that. Totally right. Okay. I'm not a big fan of grunge. I mean, I, who doesn't like Bad Motorfinger by Soundgarden or Nevermind by Nirvana? If you say you mm-hmm. don't, I believe you're lying. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I think is yeah, like all these genres are, uh, I don't know, man, these names are a bit nonsense. I think by the time people started consciously trying to do grunge, that's it was over. gone wrong. It was over. The bands that started it weren't, none of them were really trying to be grunge because grunge wasn't really even a thing. Like Alice in Chains, Soundgarden and Nirvana and Pearl Jam, they're the four biggest ever grunge bands and they're actually quite different. Like Soundgarden are like a metal band. Nirvana are like a punk band. Pearl Jam are like um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Mm -hmm. And then Alice in Chains are also kind of metal, but also this, this weird, you know, like... They're not really that similar. It's just they came out of similar places at a similar time, so people have to put them in a box. So that, I think know, grunge market. is based on what guitar tone you had. But I don't even know about that, because like Nirvana is like a really raw kind of uh, punky tone, whereas, say, uh, what do you call them? Alice in Chains have got quite a crisp sort of metallic thing going on. So I, I don't know. Alice in Chains was never crisp. That was always... I think it. I think it doesn't. It really doesn't matter about. I think it's it's in the picking. It's in the. Well, picking. Think about grunge like you think about thrash metal. There's several schools yeah. of thrash. There's several schools of grunge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But go on, it's in it's in the picking, Craig. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, like for instance, you could have, you could have, uh, a sludge doom band playing that stat that that really really dirty sounding distortion slow but if it's yep. played fast you got grunge you got grunge yeah, i get that i get that i can go with that yeah yeah <laughs> anyway let's 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 move on a bit <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so right, crack um my tortured soul featuring eric wagner of trouble and that beginning doom riff is 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 trouble like <laughs> it's really really sounds like trouble that doom riff was insane and for dave Grohl to, to be playing a doom riff like that like that the dude is into doom like that riff is insane that's so doom these was so talented that dave Grohl can play all these genres and get them perfect Totally, man. And there's some really cool 70s lead guitar as well, which, again, that's a very trouble thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's great. The vocals are amazing. You know, like just classic bluesy, bluesy classic rock vocals, which is, I don't know trouble that well, but I know that's what they kind of do. Um, And it's, again, catchy. You've got catchy melodies in the vocals and Uh riffs as well. You can sing along to the riffs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's high quality stuff. And actually, again, I thought some of this sounded a bit like Soundgarden, a bit mixed in with the the classic rock um, sort of Doom Stoner sound. But this one does not feature Kim Thale, um, no. ironically enough. But it does it has some of that feel to it. But great track. But with Dave Grohl, oh, yeah. you're you're, prob- you're going to have that, regardless of sure. how, yeah. regardless of how far removed from Nirvana he is, he's always going to have a residue of it. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. ostensibly, this next one is the last track. Um, 
But um, spoiler alert, there is a hidden track. I think we've already said that, so mm. it's not a spoiler. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. What have we got here? Sweet Dreams by um, uh, featuring King Diamond, the master himself of, uh, of King Diamond and Merciful Fate, as well as Kim, uh, Kim Ta- I can never say his name. Kim Tyle? Tyle? Tyle. Of Soundgarden. Um, it's got the beginning acoustic guitar, like something you'd hear off from uh, Melissa, right? Um, and at that three-minute mark, that guitar solo, amazing. I like this track. I, I love King Diamond. Anytime I hear King Diamond um, sing, like, uh, you know, uh, it's, you know, it makes me happy. <laughs> you know, it's King Diamond, you know. So um, the guitar solo at the three-minute mark is, is insane. And this sounds like it would be on a Merciful Fate album or a King Diamond album, straight up. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing is, for me, it, yeah, it's got some absolutely great classic King Diamond vocals. It's mm-hmm. brilliant, creepy vocals. Then he does his classic scream, the wah! Really yeah. strong melodically. But also you've got Kim Thale, Kim Thale. I see, I'm not saying it right now either, but Kim Thale playing Thale. the guitar in a guitar part, which sounds, and this is how the track actually begins. It's very reminiscent of Black Hole Sun. And you can, you can tell if, you, if you've just played yeah. somebody that song and they go, oh, this is, is that the same guy? You know, it's not the same part, but it's very similar. And that's cool. And also he does a classic Kim Thale guitar solo. And I really like his guitar playing because oh. he plays in weird tunings and he's got a really melodic style, but it's also really, punky and scuzzy and, and maybe influenced by um jay maskis from dinosaur jr like that kind of weird scuzzy throw your guitar down the stairs thing but mixed with this cool sense of melody and it's what's the word it's like um both skillful and rough around the edges at the same time and melodic yeah. it's great man so yeah it works really well yeah. okay before i get going on this track which i loved of course because I love King Diamond unnaturally, but Sam Dunn, we're all familiar with Sam Dunn, right? No. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam Dunn did a couple of uh, documentary series for VH1 in America. Okay. Even though he's Canadian, won't hold it against him, on heavy metal. And in one of them, it was called Metal Evolution. It was a 12-part series. Mm -hmm. And one of those parts was on grunge. And he asked Kim Thale, what do you, and this is in 2011. 2011, right? Mm. So he says to you, he says to Kim Thale, what do you think about grunge adding to he- the story of heavy metal? Kim Thale says, I hope nothing. Okay. okay. Ten years before that, he's recording a fucking song with King Diamond. I know. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> There's another thing. Um, <laughs> All I, I have to say. Fair enough, man. But the, I remember um, reading an article somewhere where they were they were going back and talking about like the members of Soundgarden and what they'd done to, like in the years since Soundgarden. This is probably the early two thousands, maybe around the probably before Probot because it would have been mentioned. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, oh, now that you know he's been doing this, he's released solo albums, he's done this, he's an audio slave, whatever. And they went through all the guys, you know, whatever Matt Cameron's in Pearl Jam, whatever it is. And then they ask him Thale what he's been doing, and he's like, well. And all they, all they said, they reported what he'd been doing. They're like, Kim Thale, the only thing we can find that he's done is he decided to watch um, all of the top 10 movies 
from like 19 from every month or something from like 1970 to 2000 all in a row over a period of like three years or something one a day and that was his like his musical achievement well it wasn't a musical achievement it's like he just <laughs> disappeared and went and watched a load of movies for about three years then played on a track with king diamond and then reformed Soundgarden. anyway there you go so what i guess what i'm saying is i think he might be a bit of a quirky slightly eccentric dude yeah Sounds you like a big can't waste record of time. A track with King Diamond and then diss heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah, sure. No, I get it. And especially, let's face it, Soundgarden basically were a metal band. Like they, they wouldn't be. Not, they they were not far band. out. Exactly. Do you, do you think he knew he was going to be on, on a song with King Diamond? <laughs> you never know. Again, we're, we got to look back at there was that serious. It's like the metal punk feud. There was the metal grunge feud in it. Yeah. Stupid, but it is what it is. Yeah, man. So that would have been the last track of the album, but it's actually not. There is a hidden track. So tell us about that, Craig. I am the Warlock, which would have been track 12, featuring Jack Black. Um, trying to be dark and gloomy and evil, but you know, it, it's Jack Black. You know, I think it's tongue in cheek, though, isn't it? I think he's tongue in cheek. I took it as I took it as tongue in cheek, but kind yeah. of semi serious as well, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a great musician. He is. And he, he's, uh, you know, he's got a, he's, he's, he's got a good, uh, you know, he's got good vocals, but I think he's just, I don't know, there's something, I guess I'm so used to seeing him in comedies and stuff like that. I just can't take him seriously. I don't know. That's exactly it. So we all know who Leslie <laughs> you know. Nielsen is, right? Yeah. Okay. No. No. Oh my lord! I, I keep forgetting Duncan is English. I don't know why. You don't. You don't know who Leslie Nielsen is? No. I mean, I might. I've never I seen Airplane, Naked Gun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 He was the lead in those movies. He was. The, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I got it. Yeah, I know the guy. Yeah. Right. So are you Leslie Nielsen? At one time in his career, was a serious leading man. Yes. And then he got too old. Now, uh, what was that? I, what was that movie? Um, uh, the Forbidden, Forbidden Planet. Planet. Forbidden Planet. Yeah. Oh my god, that movie is fuck awful. Not the point. The original <laughs> one. I like it. Okay. Wow. Uh, we're gonna I move on from great. that. I, mean, I, don't, I don't look. I don't want to hear this. Oh, great, great movie, man. Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. hear this. Anyway, so moving on to my point. Uh, I got in on the Leslie Nielsen train at Airplane when he was already a comedic actor. Yeah. And then I saw Forbidden Planet years later. And I could, for me, I'm like, come on, man. Don't, come on, man. Say, don't call me Shirley. And he never did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's this song. Also, also, when he was in Creepshow. He was in Creepshow? And, yeah. Well, I when uh, Creepshow in 30 years. He, uh, 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 something that tied you over, that story where he buried Ted Danson up to it in sand. Mm, okay. and, and the tide and the tide the, the, the ocean tide just keeps right, right. coming in and drowning him that was Leslie Nielsen who played that evil evil guy you know and but he was quirky and funny in that too you know he, he was like oh they're all gonna go blub 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 you know like he was very he was like a kind of like a dark quirky comedic character in that you know and that was kind of like a 
you know, kind of like a steering off of of who he is and what he's right. done. You know? I, I just, just like I can't take Leslie Nielsen seriously, I can't take Jack Black. Jack here. Black, I know. Exactly. I get what you guys are saying. And I think um, there's also um, Nick knows about this. The Mighty Boosh, the the guy who plays Howard Moon from the Mighty Boosh is called Julian Barrett. He has since gone on to play. He's still done comedy roles sometimes, but he's also done some serious roles and he's actually really good in them. But you do kind of expect him to just break into something ridiculous. And you think it sometimes reminds you of when Howard Moon in the Mighty Boosh is being you know, kind of faux serious. And so Moon I, I the get, Mighty Boosh was Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, I, to, I totally get what you're saying there. And um, to be honest, I'm the same. I can't take Jack Black fully seriously. Absolutely agree. But I don't think this was meant to be fully serious. I think that's why it was the hidden track. To me, so. it's meant to be silly. It's like, you know what? Let's, let's just do a bit of a parody. Let's, mm-hmm. let's have a bit of a joke. <laughs> but also make it as close as we can to the real thing while still everyone's going to know it's Jack Black. And you know what? I kind of like it because to me, this is quite a fun album. It's a serious album, but it's quite fun. It's clearly Dave Grohl just doing what he wants to do. Um, it, you know, it was the heavy, it was the extreme metal version of the Tenacious D song about Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. Sure, which Ronnie and, James Dio sings on, doesn't he? he like does, he's on, I, yeah. I, still can't, I can't get behind this song. Should have been left off. Sure, okay. <laughs> I, I, I like it as a hidden track. I think if it was like the opening track of the album. Hidden tracks are stupid. Don't hide tracks. Put the tracks on the no, I like I like hidden tracks. I think, no, I think no. if you're doing something different, I think don't just put a normal track as a hidden track. But if you're doing a track something- track is a track. Bit, but the thing is, sometimes you want to do something a bit weird. You want to do like a spoken word thing at the end, or you want to do a bit of a comedy track, or you want to do just something that's like, I'll tell you what it's the equivalent of, It's like which I quite like as well. When the credits are rolling in the cinema or the, the movie theater, as you guys might say, but anyway, when the credits are rolling and everyone's starting to stand up and then sometimes you just get a little extra bit. I like, hate that too. Comedy. Oh, I like that. I especially that. in comedy films. And it's like, you know, in the movie. fine if you miss it. Yeah. yeah, but it's one of those, it's, it's an Easter egg. It's Marvel, like- The Marvel Cinematic Universe puts those in there and you got to wait an extra 15 damn minutes. No, put it in the damn movie. I mean, I get that. There's probably a thing of, oh, great. Now everyone's going to watch the credits and like we can advertise chocolate bars to them or something. But yeah. at the same time, I kind of like it. I think it's, yeah, I look, I, I look. Uh, I, we, we disagree strongly. Disagree. But look, let's let's move to the sum up because we're going to run out of time in a minute. Um, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Great the album. Up. We've kind of summed up before we actually started and all the way through. I think it's great. Everyone should listen to this, rediscover it. If you like hardcore, metal, rock, um, just just listen to it. Um, so many mm-hmm. amazing singers and players and uh, members of all these brilliant bands. And it is really Dave Grohl at his best. It's Dave Grohl being what we all know he can be. And he, he chooses not to, and that's fine. But he's just being an amazing heavy metal songwriter and musician and drummer and guitar player and bass player. And yeah, it's great. Check it out. Listen to it. Completely I, agree. It's it's a great record, top to bottom. There's nothing bad on here. Just from time to time, you get a bad sequencing and it makes you made me not like a song as much as I probably would have. Mm. Other than that, uh, minute or minute, spin it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I uh I have a newfound respect for Dave Grohl, for the, you know, uh, 
you know, putting something like this out. And I really didn't know how much he liked metal this much um, until he put this out. And, uh, and like you said, from top to bottom, every song is great for the most part. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I really, really sat here mulling. I'm like, I want to really, really um, do an album for this podcast that is, is um, definitely not like definitely different from from what uh, you know and, and something totally unknown, um, which it should have been really, really. It should have been well. It, sh it should have been well received, and it wasn't. And uh, so I, I, this is the album I wanted to pick for this podcast and this episode, and, and uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed it and, and everything. So. <laughs> let me say i completely enjoyed this record it was and it's fun listen top to bottom and i appreciate you putting some thought into this and picking a record that fits all of our parameters and it really it really has been the best pick so far oh that's good <laughs> but, uh, uh duncan do you have anything else no, um, that's basically it. Um, yeah, check out Drift Into Black, um, Craig's band, um, new album out out soon. And um, yeah, that's it. Enjoyed this one a lot. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening. And at some point in time, I'll come up with a tagline. I almost had it today, but I don't. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you very much, Craig. All right, cool, cool. All right, Bye -bye. guys, take care. Bye-bye.